You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Let's continue the series. We're talking about Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. In fact, everybody say that for me. Say Jehovah Jireh. Come on, say it like you mean it. Be a little spiritual about it. Jehovah Jireh. Man, if you've been in church for a while, um, man, I don't even know when this song. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about? I don't even know when this song came out, okay? Uh, as we were preparing, and specifically, I was, I was preparing for this uh, earlier this week, me and Parker, we got that song going, Jehovah Jireh, um, my provider. You guys know what I'm talking about? We could, I mean, we could get after it this morning if we get that going. Um, because you ain't sitting still when we play that song, all right? I mean, you're going you're gonna to at least be tapping that foot. If not, you're going to be doing some, some laps, okay? Jehovah Jireh. Man, the Lord will provide. Have you ever, maybe you met someone and uh, you met them and your initial thought to that person was that you didn't really like them? Can we be honest in church? <laughs> like anybody? My hand's up, okay? Uh, this reminds me of a story whenever I was in eighth grade. And uh, I was in eighth grade and, and uh, we were doing summer football. We were doing this like summer camp. And we had a new kid come into our school and um, I didn't know him, but all I knew is that he played the same position as me. And so my initial reaction as an, as an eighth grader was, hey, I don't like this guy. Obviously, he's, he's coming for my job, right? I want to play football. I want to start. I don't like this guy. But the more, and so I was kind of, I wasn't mean to him, but I just kind of ignored him. I just kept my distance. I want to be too friendly because I was just trying to, you know, it's football. There's a lot of pride in it. Like, I'm just trying to make a statement to him. What's funny, though, is if you fast forward four years and into my senior year of high school, that guy who I didn't like at all when he first showed up was actually my best friend my senior year. I didn't like him at all, right? But what happened? The more I got to know him and I got to know who he was, the more that I, I learned that I, oh, man, we have a ton in common. We can be friends and play football together, right? We're, even, we're not competing necessarily for the same job. Like, we can, we can be friends but it took some intentional time of actually getting to know him, not just knowing his name. Like I had to actually get to know him personally before I understood his character and who he is. This is how it is with God. Because many people are, are going through this life and many people are going and they're lost and they actually hate God because they don't know God. They hate a version of of God that someone portrayed to them. And that's the scary part <laughs> because we have to, we are the ones that carry the kingdom. So how am I portraying God to everyone around me? Am I living, loving, and looking like Jesus to the world around me? And am I doing it accurately, right? Not in how I think Jesus would do it if he was here in 2021. Am I doing it according to biblical standards? Many people hate God because they don't know him. But this is why I would say this, even people that are in church diligently every week and they, and they have, a, a, um, a, you know, they're reading God's word and they're praying and they're serving in church and all this stuff. They're, they're a Christian, they're a believer, but many people still don't know God. They know about God, but they don't know God. Because many times, and I think this is why this series is so important, when we understand God's name, I get to understand his character. 
And when I understand his character, it reveals his will for my life. And so this is why last week we said, look, we cannot know who we are until we know who God is. I can't know who I am in agreement with how God created me. I can know what the world says, what my job says, what my parents say, but I can't know who God has created me to be until we know who God is. God reveals his character through his names. Through his names. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I want to make sure we understand this. Why are we talking about his name? So that we can know more about him? No, it's so we can have a greater confidence in our intimacy with him. So what? God says, look, I am Jehovah Jireh. Right, man, I just can't even say it without getting that foot going for that song. If you don't know it, man, get on Spotify after service and just type in Jehovah Jireh. There's a million versions of it out there. It'll be a good, for the, uh, good song for the ride home today. Uh, we are, so Jehovah Jireh, he says, it's, he says, my name is the Lord will provide, my provider. We are created in the, Im- in the image of God. This, this is, so let's go big, big picture, big part of the funnel, Right? Jehovah Jireh, this is his name. We are created in his image. And because of that, when we, when we realize who he is, we can better understand who God's called me to be. It funnels down. And so look, basically this, when we know the character of God, we can better understand God's will for my life. Last week we said this, and this is just, as God put this on my heart a few weeks ago, studying for this, this just makes it so simple. God's will for my life is not just what he wants to do. God's will for my life is who he is. So he is provider. Well, is it God's will to meet that need, or is it God's will for me to to be financially stable so that I can pay my bills on time and I can bless people and I can give to the church? Is it his will to provide those things? Yeah, it's his name. It's his name. Is it God's will for me to be healed? Next week we're going to talk about that. Yes. He says, I am the Lord who heals. It's his will. But what happens is many times we know about God, or maybe we've known from life experience, we prayed, and that need didn't get met, so maybe he doesn't provide everything that's going on. Look, at the end of the day, his will is not just what he wants to do. His will is who he is. And as we're going to see today, the whole goal of his, his names is that he wants us to not just know his name, he wants us to lean into his name and get intimate with him so we can experience his name. He doesn't want us to just know his name, he wants us to experience his names. And that's what we're going to see today. So here's where we see this, Jehovah Jireh. If you brought your Bible, go to Genesis 22. Genesis 22. If not, we'll have it up here on the, on the screen for you. We're going to look at the story where we see this name in God's word. In Genesis 22, here we have Abraham. Abraham is with his son Isaac. Abraham gets up, and and God talks to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I need you to go. I need you to take your son Isaac, who you stood and believed in faith for for all of these years, who I have given you. Isaac is the, the promised son from God. Take Isaac. I need you to go to this mountain. I need you to sacrifice Isaac. What I love is if, if you read through Genesis 22, um, it says this. I won't, I won't even get into it, but he, he says this. It says that he got up early, and he got Isaac, and he got some servants, and they went on their way. And I heard another guy say this. He got up early because he knew if Sarah found out what he was going to do, there would be a lot of issues, right? Like, 
No, you're not taking that child, okay? You know how long we've prayed and believed God? You're not taking, I don't care what happened, you're not taking him. But he had faith in God. So here we see Abraham. He's got Isaac, he takes Isaac, and he goes, and he's got a couple servants with him as well. And they're traveling, and God is gonna put him in this test to see, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And this is where we see the name revealed. Let's just read the last half of the story here. We're going to look at Genesis 22, starting in verse 7. I'm going to read from the New King, New King James Version. I'll have that on the screen for you as well. It says this. They go, they're traveling, and here we go. But Isaac, he spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire in the, we have the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Right? So obviously Isaac is old enough to put two and two together, like, Something fishy's going on here, right? What's, what, uh, what are we doing here, pops? Uh, in verse 8, and Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them, they, they went together. And when they had come to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham, he stretched out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son, And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, and he said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Remember that. We're going to come back to that. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham, he lifted his eyes, and he looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went. And he took the ram, and he offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The Lord will provide. That is where we get the name translated Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. There's a lot in this story. There's a couple things that we can look at here. God commands Abraham to go and take his son, right? His miracle son, and to go and to sacrifice him. In there, when he gets stopped, he says, now I know that you fear God. We talked a little bit about that last week. The fear of the Lord, something that you don't hear much in today's world, right? The fear of the Lord, but it is the beginning of wisdom. In fact, I would say if we don't have a fear of the Lord, then we will never experience him or know him to God's desire. I have to approach God the right way. It is the beginning of wisdom. If I want supernatural wisdom, I must have a reverent fear of the Lord. And last week we talked a little bit about that, so if you missed it, go back and listen to it. But I would say this, the best evidence of having the fear of the Lord is complete obedience to him. It's the best evidence. Do I fear God? Do I have a reverent fear? Not a fearful, like, ah, I don't want to be even talk to God. I'm afraid of, of who he is. No, I'm, do I have a reverent fear because of my respect and my love for him? Do I fear God? The best evidence is looking at my life and saying, do I have complete obedience to him? Not just the verses I like, but every area of my life. Complete obedience reveals the truth of how much, number one, I love him, but how much of the reverent fear do I have? So let's dive into the story, right? When it comes to Jehovah Jireh, everyone in here, I would say this. You'd probably say, I want my needs met. Can we agree on that? Like, I, I want to know when something comes up, God's going to provide. Whenever I'm faced with a trial, that he will be there. Everyone wants that. But I need to remind us 
that there is a partnership at play in here. When we look at Abraham, he shows us this lesson of partnering with God to see the provision. And so the first point is this. Prevision is the first step to provision. Prevision is the first step to provision. It's about to get good up in here, guys. Okay, this, this, if anything, it's going to be bless me to go over this again because it blessed me as I was studying this this week. Prevision is the first step to provision. Here's what that means. Abraham saw God's provision with his faith eyes before he ever saw it with his physical eyes. We, say, we like to say it like this. I've said this before, but there's a difference between sight and vision, right? Sight is what I see when my eyes are open, right? I can see you. This feels like reality, right? Because I can see this or this situation I'm experiencing with my eyes open. Vision is what I see when my eyes are closed, When I close my eyes and I'm praying to God, when I'm closing my eyes and I'm asking God for the vision for my life and I'm asking God to answer my prayer, when I close my eyes, can I see the prayer answered? If I don't, I'm going to struggle seeing fruit from my prayer. Because when I can see, when I close my eyes, God's answer to my prayer, his provision, that is a great sign of faith. That's what faith is. It's having the vision of God. It's what Jesus did as he went around and as he was discipling and his disciples in one one time they were praying and they're praying for this demon-possessed boy and they couldn't do it. They're trying and failing. And what happens? The dad then, Jesus walks up. The dad comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what happened? Hey, your disciples are trying, but they cannot heal him. And what does Jesus do? He says, let me, bring the boy to me. Let me heal him. Afterwards, the disciples come and they say, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? We've done it before. Why couldn't we do it? He said, because you didn't have the faith. But what he was showing them is said, look, you didn't have my vision. Because when they went to pray for the demon-possessed boy, he began to cease and the spirit began to manifest. And what happened? What they saw in the natural overruled what they could see in the supernatural. Their sight weighed more than their vision. And so their faith was crushed. This is too big for me. We need to get Jesus. Rather than he said, no, when Jesus said, when I walk up, I see him delivered and I see him healed before I see it with my natural eyes. I have the vision of it. When I do that, I have fruit for my prayer. Let me show you exactly where we see this. In Genesis 22, verse 5. We didn't read this verse, but this is where uh, Abraham's traveling with the, with a couple of his servants, and they go. Uh, Genesis 22, 5. And Abraham said to his, the young men they were traveling with, he said, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I, Isaac and I, we're going to go yonder. I love that, New King James. We're going yonder. Come on now. And worship. Come on, somebody, right? We, can, we know what that means. Um, and worship. And we will come back to you. We will. Abraham knows I've been called to go and sacrifice my son. But what was his vision? We're both coming back. His mind in the natural was saying, no, you're, you're going to come back alone. But his, his faith said, I don't think so. We will come back. Let me show you another time right here. Um, skip forward to verse 8, Genesis 22, 8. And Abraham said, what, to Isaac, my son, Isaac's starting to put it together, right? Hey, where's the sacrifice? Abraham says, my son. No, no, no. Listen, God will provide for himself. 
What an interesting phrasing. God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. God will provide. He already knew the provision in his heart, his vision, his faith's eyes before he ever saw the provision with his sight. We have to live our life that way. We have got to learn to live our life that way. We all want God to provide in our lives, yes, but I have a part to play. Have I known God so intimately as Abraham knew God that I can have the pre-vision of the provision, that I can see it in my, in my vision, my heart's eyes, before I see it in the natural? Here's what I love is that Abraham, Abraham had faith that God would provide a sacrifice, number one, that it would show up, or if not, number two, that God would raise Isaac from the dead. Either way, he's like, we're both coming back. God will provide, or he's going to provide in a way that I don't even know about. He might even raise him from the dead, but God will provide. That's what he's saying. He had prevision before the provision. This is why in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it, says, it says what about faith? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things what? Not seen. Faith is the vision of God's provision before I see his provision in the natural. That's faith. We want to have great faith, but it takes some intimacy with God. And we're going to look at that. That's my next point. Some intimacy with God to see, can I, do I have his vision? Because then we look at um, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Can we switch that and show you a different way to say that? We walk by God's vision, not by our sight. I walk by God's vision, which is what? His word. That's, that's why we have this book. How do I know how God sees things? How do I know what his will is? It's, it's this. The better I know this, the more faith I have. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing what? The word of God. You guys doing okay? Man, God is so good. So here's the, here's the, what I'm saying here is this. Prevision is the first step to provision. The first step to answered prayers, fulfilled promises, and God's provision is our ability to see what God sees. It's the first step. I need to, I need to work on my faith. Faith is the catalyst to answered prayer. It's the spark. How many times did Jesus say, because of your faith, because of your friend's faith, because of your faith, let it be done to you. I got to have faith. What? Faith without, like it's impossible to please God without faith. With faith, I can please God. I can please God. So here's what we see. Prevision, the first step to provision. But here's the other part of provision that many times we overlook. Provision follows sacrifice. Point number two. Provision follows sacrifice. Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his only son opened the door for God's provision. He was willing to sacrifice. Genesis, here's what we see, Genesis 22, verse 12. And the angel said, Do not lay your, your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. 
here's one thing we have to realize, is that many times God remains silent. Not every time, many times. God remains silent until obedience is complete. Many times God will remain silent until obedience is complete. What was the last thing we saw? Abraham hears from God, go, take Isaac. You're going to go here, I'll show you where to go, and you're going to sacrifice him. When's the next time Abraham had already sacrificed Isaac in his heart? That's why he didn't have to physically do it. That's why the angel said, I see that you fear God. I know you would have gone through with it, but you don't have to. You were willing to go there. You were willing to sacrifice everything you have. And this is part of the partnership of God's provision. Imagine at your, you know, think of going back to grade school, right? You go to recess. At your playground, did you ever have the seesaw? You know what I'm talking about? And you had to be pretty evenly uh, partnered with the other person, right? Like I wasn't a super big kid, but if if we got a, a big boy on the other side of it, it, it was a lot of work for me, right? Because <laughs> we got to go back and forth, or I would be bouncing off the top whenever it was my time to go up, right? There's a seesaw. Many times this is how God's, our partnership with God works. Many people want God to come in, and they want God to provide. God's going to do his part, right? Hey, I'm going to get on. He's going to get on the seesaw, and everything's going to be good. And so God pushes off, and he does his part. But how many of you know, whenever I go down on the seesaw over here, if I don't push off and do my part, the seesaw stops. So many times people are waiting for God to move, and God's waiting for you to move. Will you do your part? Will you, are you willing to sacrifice something in your life so that I go up, he can come down and do his part? God's not about having a one-way or a bad covenant with us. He says, you know what covenant is? It's partnership. You know what covenant is? It's a two-way trust. Here's what I'm asking you to do. When you walk in obedience, man, I fulfill my promises to you. But he's saying, will you trust me enough to obey? Will you be a good seesaw partner with God? Because many people won't, and I'll show you why. In Philippians 4.19, Love this verse. Philippians 4.19, this is the New King James. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen, somebody, right? We got that. We have that posted everywhere. That's good. But many times I would say this. Many times we don't read this verse in context. Many people read this and they're believing God's going to provide every need, but they haven't done their part of the seesaw. Let's read it in context. Why does he write this, that my God will, with such confidence, supply every need according to his glorious spirit? Why does he write that? Let's read it in context. I'm going to go back up to verse 15. Philippians 4, 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Why, why, is God, why is the provision promised? Because a church, a group of people, sacrificially gave first. Do you see it? Do you see the partnership? When I'm willing to sacrifice, then provision can come. It doesn't mean that I've got to drain my bank account. It doesn't mean I'm just saying God's put something. He's prompted you to take a step somewhere. 
whether it's dealing with the sin, whether it's giving to someone, whether it's forgiving someone, whatever it is, he's prompted you somewhere in your life to take a step. And it's, it's a sacrifice because it hurts to do. It stretches you a little bit. But he's saying if you would do that, I can come in and fulfill my promise as Jehovah Jireh, the provider. But I need you. I need you to partner with me saying, please partner with me. And if you will, let me skip down here uh, to eight, verse 18. It says this. Indeed, uh, he's writing, he says, I have all and, and I abound. I am full, having received everything from Epiphrite. Uh, I don't know how to say it. I'm going to skip it. Uh, I looked at it this morning, but I forgot to say it. The things sent from you, look at this, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God sacrifice. Provision follows sacrifice. After he says this, what? It was acceptable. When you gave, when you trusted and you sacrificed something, it is an acceptable sacrifice. And because of that, my God shall supply all your need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Guaranteed. Take it to the bank. 100%. But what happens first? Am I willing to do my part this is what we see in Luke 6:38. He says, "Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap." Look at this. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. When it comes to provision, everyone wants God to provide their need, and I understand that. But God's also asking for a good covenant relationship. And he's saying, look, if I'm going to provide your need, I need you to do your part. Abraham, I promised you that son. He was, he was my gift to you. I promised you. And I miraculously made it happen. But look, if he's really going to be the seed that everything comes from, that we get to benefit in 2021 from today, if that's going to happen are you willing to still trust me for more? Because every step of faith is followed by more steps of faith. Abraham didn't have this incredible journey of waiting for a son and then, hey, all done. I don't got to do anything else. No, what? An even greater step of faith presented itself. But we, that's, well, we like to live our life that way, right? I took a step of faith. Now I'm good, man. I'm, I'm going to ride this thing out till retirement and call it good. No, it just means I graduated to the next level. And the next step, I'm going to have to use the trust and the faith that I built here to get me to the next level. But God's saying what? Come on. If you'll come, I'll be right there with you. And it may stretch you. Yeah. It may test you. Absolutely. But, man, I'm going to provide in ways that you can't even imagine. God's saying, come on. He's saying, come on. Many people, they want something for nothing when it comes to the things of God. And this is the issue that we've created in the American culture. Well, hey, you just, you deserve this. Here's all the handouts. You deserve all of this. Many people want something for nothing, but it doesn't work that way in reality. What farmer do you know that can just roll up to any, any field that is ready for harvest, and it's not his field, but he just shows up and just claims it and starts packing it away? No. There's going to be some gunshots, right? Like, that didn't work that way. That's not your field. What farmer can do nothing except, and then at, the, at harvest time, expect a full harvest? doesn't work that way in the world system. 
yet we do that with God all the time. God, you said you provide every need, but it's saying, have you honored my command to give? Have you honored my command to sow seed? Many expect God to send them something when they have not invested into the kingdom of God. I love what Jack W. Hayford, he says this. He says, look, if you're not investing your time, talent, commitment, and your money into the kingdom of God, why do you want something in return? (laughs) This is so good. He says, how can you get something when you have not planted any seed? How can you expect God to honor your desire when you have not honored his command to give? Abundance begins with investment. How can I, man, how can I expect God to honor my desire when I have not honored his command to give? Do you see the partnership? This is all through God's word, sowing and reaping. But provision, God says, I am the Lord who I will provide. But we always have a part to play. And in fact, God did it that way so that we can have better relationship with him. He's not a vending machine. If he was a vending machine, that would mean he's distant. That would mean I would only talk to him when I got my $1 bill for my Reese's. That's bad relationship, right? He's saying, no, come to me daily. Let's commune daily. Let's exchange daily. When you take a step today, I will match you step for step. And I'm going to give you faith for the next one because we're walking together. That's why it's this way. That's why he's not just pouring it out when we've done nothing. He's saying, no, partner with me so you get to know me and I get to know you. And let's grow together. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And here's the promise in Galatians 6, 7. It says this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. I love this because it says this, do not be deceived. What happens? Many times I am sowing, and I may be sowing good seed, and I'm doing what God's asked me to do, but the harvest takes longer than expected. And I may think to myself, and the devil will come and whisper lies, and he says, well, I guess God didn't want you to have that. I guess God doesn't provide. I guess you've been trying and praying and believing, but maybe it wasn't God's will for you to receive that promise. Don't be deceived. That's what he's talking about. Don't be deceived. Why? He says, God is not mocked. He will not be mocked. By saying that, here's what he's saying. God is mocked when we don't reap a harvest. Can we flip it here? He says, look, he's not mocked. Whatever man sows, that's what he's going to reap. But he says, look, don't believe the lie that the harvest isn't coming when you've sown good seed. Don't believe that lie. Don't believe that lie. God is mocked if the harvest doesn't come. And can I tell you this? Jehovah Jireh will not be mocked by anybody or any circumstance or any time frame. He will not be mocked. He will not be. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. He will provide when I walk in partnership with him. Amen? He will not be mocked. Here's point number three is this. Jehovah Jireh is accessible through Jesus. Yes, we see this name appear in the Old Testament to Abraham. And for many, it can be easy to be like, well, that's distant Abraham forever ago, right? Old Testament will provide. 
And if we're not careful, we will see, see it as he's Jehovah Jireh. He did provide for Abraham. He did provide. Jehovah Jireh is accessible through Jesus. His name is the Lord will provide. Not did, will. That's for us today. And in fact, if you look at the, the root word of Jireh, it means to see. To see. Literally meaning this. The Lord will see to it that you are provided. Come on, somebody. That is, if you get anything, hear that today. The Lord will see to it. I have a need come up. And God, I'm, I, I'm growing with you. I'm abiding in you and I'm doing my part, but it feels like the harvest isn't coming. It feels like I, I don't know when the answer is going to show up. But when I draw close to him, he leans in and he whispers, he says, I am Jehovah Jireh. I will personally see to it that it is met, that that need is met, that that promise is fulfilled. I will. I don't give that to just anyone. I will see to it. Jehovah Jireh. Romans 8, 32, it says this. He said, he who did not spare his own son, but he delivered him up for us as well. How, how shall he not with Jesus then, with him, also freely give us all things? He sees your need. He sees it. More than just the physical need that you're facing. The spiritual and the emotional as well. John 15, 7, it says this, if you abide in me, this is Jesus, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. It shall be done for you. Here's what abiding does. This is why we are called Abide Church. Please hear this. Abiding, it gives me personally, when I personally abide, which is to remain as one and seek Jesus daily, it gives me pre-vision of God's provision. It gives me pre-vision, which helps me have trust to sacrifice things so God can provide. It gives me the faith to walk and to do my part, right? To push off of the seesaw and so God can then do his part and then I can do my part. It gives me that balance and rhythm. So Jesus can then say, ask what you desire. What a promise. Ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Might be done. Halfway will be done. No, it will be done. And it may take longer than you think. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. It all starts with abiding. Jehovah Jireh is accessible. His provision is accessible when I abide in Jesus. It gives me the prevision. It helps me walk with faith, with trust, and with confidence so I can see the answer. Last one is this, Hebrews 4, as I wrap up. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Man. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. I don't know what you carried in here today. I don't know what questions you have for your life today. I don't know what needs you walked in here with, what financial burdens you walked in here with, what physical illness you walked in here with, or you need some provision. Jehovah Jireh is here. He is ready to meet you. He is ready to provide today. 
It's not just what he wants to do. Provision is who he is. Do you see it? It's his name. It's his will. It's, it, it is who he is. Man, are you in need today? Jehovah Jireh is here. He's available. He's ready to provide, but it takes partnership. I need to have prevision. I need to know him intimately so I can see with my faith his vision so that I can go out then and see it in the physical and receive it. I need to be, have the willingness to sacrifice in obedience, cut out things in my life, die to things in my life so that God can move in my life. God is faithful to provide. And many times whenever we sow and whenever we partner with God for provision and whenever I give, it feels like a real sacrifice. It feels like death. But here's the promise from God, and hopefully you know this. With every death in Christ, there is a glorious resurrection. So though I may have given that financially to someone, and man, it, it was a stretch for me, and it felt like a sacrifice for me, guess what? I died to that money because there's separation. That's what death is. I died to it. But guess what? There is a glorious resurrection, which is the harvest. It's the provision. It's what Abraham went through. He said, look, even if I do have to kill my son, there is a glorious resurrection. No matter what I die to in Christ, give stop doing, give up for Jesus, whatever it is, there's a glorious resurrection coming. And it is the provision that you've been believing God for. Here's the reflection questions. Where do I need God's provision in my life? Be specific. Specific prayers bring specific answers. Be specific. What verse am I standing on or speaking on over that situation? What verse am I speaking? The verse helps me what draw close to God. The verse that I'm speaking over my need is what gives me prevision for the provision. I need to be speaking his life over my life. Is there something I need to sacrifice so that I can experience God's vision? Is there something in my life God's been prompting me to stop doing, to lay down, to give up, or to set aside for him and to lay at his feet so that God can move in my life? Have I left God up on the air on the seesaw and he's waiting for me to push off so we can continue in this balanced rhythm of life. And here's the action step. As you draw close and as you abide in Jesus this week, intimately and personally, ask Jehovah Jireh for his vision. God, help me see this situation the way you see it. God, help me see me the way you see me. Because maybe you don't feel good enough Maybe you don't feel qualified. It doesn't matter what you feel. I'll tell you what does matter, what this book says. It doesn't matter what you feel. What does this say? Put your faith there and let that give you prevision for what God's about to do in your life. Come on, somebody, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Man, you're so good. Even when we don't deserve it, you're so good. When we forget your goodness, you're still good. We're thankful for you. We love you. We thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. You will provide. You didn't just provide for Abraham and for the people in, in, in God's, in your word, but Lord, you, you will provide. You do provide. I thank you for provision today, answers today in Jesus' name. I thank you for answered prayer this week in Jesus' name, that you are continuing to provide. It's what you do, and it's who you are, our provider. 
We love you. We love you. We love you. We're thankful for you. Honored to be in covenant with you and to walk in relation with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.